Thank you for listening to the Clever Kids Podcast. If you want more from us, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. To another we would love to hear from you. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on. This is and a weekly podcast with three brothers. Really Take a look at a topic from popular whatever culture that you may or may not care about. My name's Tyler. And I'm Jeff. That's right, folks. Brian's not here. And if you're wondering why we didn't put out an episode last week, it's entirely Brian's fault. Um, if you're wondering why there's been two weeks of missing episodes, bo- both, uh, we're blaming Brian. Both, both, both of them. Brian's fault. And Brian, if it's not your fault, go ahead and, and speak now. You see, folks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, Brian is actually here. He's just, uh, we've rendered him silent. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, no, we had some technical difficulties um, for two weeks, so um, yeah, sorry about that. Things happen. We've never claimed to be professionals at this, so you get what you get when it comes to us. If you're paying money um, for this, uh, it's not going to yeah, us. I will issue you a full refund <laughs> for, for the two missed weeks. Um, so with Brian being out this week, um, we wanted to do a topic that didn't require Brian's input or that wouldn't completely befuddle him. And that's why we um, chose a sports topic because Brian knows yeah, nothing about right. sports. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, this week what we're going to do is we're going to pitch uh, comic book movies to each other. Um, and um, I have a couple here. I know that Jeff has at least one that he's going to try to pitch to me. And then we may just work together to try to cast uh, or create a pitch for another one or two. Um, but yeah, this is kind of an opportunity for Jeff and I to talk about comics because usually we have to temper that conversation when Brian's around because he just can't keep up. Can't. Jeff, why don't you start? Or I'll, I'll start, actually. I'll start because I have one that I know that you have on your list, but I don't think you have cast. And I'm going to start with what you've claimed to be your favorite comic book, right? or most recent comic book? Uh, definitely my favorite writing of any comic book, if, if you're talking about the one that you got me for my birthday. Seven to Eternity, mm-hmm. um, written by Rick Remender, drawn by Jerome Opeña, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Um, it's an epic fantasy. Um, the elevator pitch of this story is um, a dark... Let's see. I'm just going to read the uh, the synopsis. The goddess of whispers has spread an omnipresent paranoia to every corner of the kingdom of Zal. His spies hide in every hall, spreading mistrust and fear. Adam Ositis, a dying knight from a disgraced house, must choose between joining a hopeless band of magic users in their disparate bid to free their world from the evil god or accepting his promise to give Adam everything his heart desires. So essentially, it's a sprawling fantasy uh, story um, in you know another world, uh, sort of Lord of the Rings esque, um, Game of Thrones esque. There's a lot of different creatures and designs and weapons of magic and science and all kinds of stuff going on. Um, it would be really visually incredible and sprawling and epic this- on like a really grand yeah. scale. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Um, at a high level, the, the the if I can dive into the plot just a slightly more depth than that, there, there's this kind of race of people or group of people that have powers, and each of their powers is entirely unique. Um, and and I guess the story starts off with a man and his best friend, 
and they didn't really realize how in-depth his best friend's powers were and basically his best friend's has the ability to grant wishes um but once you accept his wish or, or ask him for a wish he basically gets to see through your eyes he you become like kind of a part of his hive mind he can't control you but he can see through you and there's this kind of inherent corruption there's also this belief that if he were to die anyone who's taken a wish from him dies as well so he kind of walks around granting people's wishes and kind of subtly takes over society and his old best friend sees him as as morally corrupt and forms a resistance against him and his eldest son ends up going on to try and lead that resistance so um yeah you get sort of a fallen jedi order kind of thing uh going on in this you have the uh the evil magic user and the good magic users you get a rebellion it's also a um trip to mordor kind of thing where you're trying Mm -hmm. to get something from one place to another yep so it's kind of a road movie across this like magical land it's it's just it's a very big sprawling epic that i think could easily be three movies um and the person i tapped as the director for this because you need that visual that visual aesthetic to be nailed. And I think that this director, when he's working on comic book movies, if he has a very specific visual uh, aesthetic to base his work off of can be really powerful. And I chose Zack Snyder for that because like I said, with 300 or with Watchmen, if he is tailoring his look, his films to a story that already yes. exists, he can really deliver. Yep. When you let him do whatever he wants, his movies can kind of fall apart because he's too big, I think. I think that he needs to be reined in or he needs to have something very specific to work on. His his yeah. his storytelling gets a little too wild. Like he definitely likes to embellish on on moments in comic books, but when you give him a storyline to embellish on, as we saw with the Snyder cut it just and and from what he's released is what his story was for the greater plans of the dceu i'm glad it got canceled um yeah it can be too big it gets too big but i think that this movie this storyline is really big already right so he can he has room to kind of like be like bombastic and crazy with it but there's still a story that's already there that he has to work on that structure and i think that we've seen that he can do that with watchmen and with 300 and i will say i think that Quick, quick plug for give Zach the balls. Um, still want to see Zack Snyder's <laughs> Dragon Ball Z movie. Yeah, a uh, lot of people when I posted that on Instagram got were like, "Hell no!" Like, they really disagreed with that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we have uh, apparently I'm learning there are viewers in our audience that are wrong, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, um, so who do you have casting in this film? Who, who do you have? So, so far? I only cast three people. Um, so I cast Adam, who's the main character for most of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose Damian Lewis, who is the guy that Brian want, wanted for Dumbledore originally. Um, he's in yeah. a show called Billions. No, he great. was in. Um, what was the one that Band uh, of Homeland? Band of Brothers. Yeah, and he's in. He's in uh, uh, Band of Brothers and. Uh, Basically, I chose him because he's a very famous redhead, no, he's <laughs> and he's and he's in the in the age range. And I do think that he's a good actor, and I think he could pull off the beard, the, the big red beard that Adam has through most of the movie. Um, so I think that he would be a really good um, place. And plus, he hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunity to break out into film, and I think that he is a strong enough performer that he could carry it. He just hasn't been given that opportunity, unfortunately. Um, 
So he's who I chose for Adam. I chose Maya Hawk, who is uh, in, currently in Stranger Things um, as the character that they introduced last season, whose name I can't remember right now. Okay. The, uh, the gay girl character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose her as Kate. Because I think that she is in that age range, and I think that she's really good. I think that she, yeah, I just think I'd like to see more from her. So I think that she would be a good fit for that one. Um, and she's in the right age range for to be um, Damian sure. Lewis's daughter. Um, and then for Garlis Sum, uh, who is the main bad big bad guy, I chose. Uh, I don't know. Can you guess who I chose? <laughs> I'm wondering because it's a it's a pretty much he plays the big bald bad guy and anything <laughs> what mark strong yeah that's exactly right mark strong <laughs> he'd be good i could actually picture his voice I, in this role exactly i think that he's perfect but he's perfect for the bald bad guy and everything like he's just anytime there's you need a bald bad guy like it's gotta be mark strong i feel like he's just he is he's just so well cast and i think that he's such a good actor um I mean, he's just so well, he's so well suited to play a villain. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. So those are the three that I have cast right now. Um, I haven't read uh, all of the volumes of this. I think I only made it through the first three. Um, There's kind of a lot of characters that you could go and a lot of them would require prosthetics like Gamora level or Drax level prosthetics from the the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah. Um, And and I would say uh, Javalia is probably the only other character that we would want to cast. She's like the the love interest for uh, the protagonist. Um, And she's in Even though he's married. Uh, But yeah, I mean, she's, you know, she's covered in makeup. She's uh, she's like red. She's like alien with wings. Um, yeah, I just I don't know a lot about her characterization because again I haven't gotten as far into the comic as you got um, yet. I do still plan on finally sitting down and just reading all of it. Yeah, but I mean, I choosing haven't gotten around to choosing it. Zaldana seems like a, a cop out given that she's yeah. I, that's I didn't want to do her because I was like I don't want to cast her always as like a character under under colored makeup because she's like. Nateri in the Avatar movies, and she's blue, and she's Gamora, and she's green. Right. Like I want, I just want to cast her as just like a black woman. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we just like have her in things as just like a black woman? Why does she have to be a different? Sure. I mean, she was just in that Ryan Reynolds futuristic movie. Yeah, Um, sure, but that she doesn't. She often is just like I think. Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather just go with someone else. You know. Sure. Um. Okay. Yeah. yeah, How do you feel about that? As that. I love it. Um, You're buying it in the room? You're going to buy it? You're going to buy my pitch? You're the studio executive in this. You're going to buy it? You're You're going to give me my... So this is going to cost $1 billion (laughs) for three movies. It's going to be the most expensive three movies of all time. I'm pitching three. Only if you film just like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, $400 million movies. Um, Yeah, all back to back to back. I was talking to a friend... I was talking to the fan and we'll get to this in a little bit because I'll bring it up again. But the, the Ezra Miller controversy and I have a friend who was like, oh, they can't release the Flash movie now. And I was like, uh, you have an idea how many hundreds of millions of dollars they've already spent? Like, you think they're just going to, like, call that a wash? And he was like, well, it's going to damage their brand. And I was like, nah. <laughs> for hundreds of millions of dollars, I think they can deal with a little brand damaging. I don't think anyone's going to choose not to release that film. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to, like... I'll still see the movie. You know what I mean? Well, all they have to do is just at the end of the movie, basically 
he comes back out of the speed force and it's just a different actor and he looks at his hands and he's like why do i feel different and he catches himself in the mirror he goes whoa and then they're like right. and he's like i Lights. guess i rewrote the speed force or whatever and then it's just grant gustin or or someone you know what i mean <laughs> I, I want i mean can we please just get someone who's blonde i know it's a trope that like blonde there you go fine fuck it yeah give us a blonde actor i don't care <laughs> i don't care just <laughs> give me like the this, that's that, how like, you do it it just feels like no director's ever read a flash comic book because they're just like what does barry allen look like is he a blonde is he brunette he's definitely brunette right like, yeah the, he's the, easy the dude's characteristically blonde but it's fine um yeah yeah I, I also hate most when like characters that don't need to be like prominent actors just can't get that like the fact that like martha wayne will be depicted as like brunette sometimes and it's like yo <laughs> she doesn't even have a speaking role in this film you literally could have grabbed a woman off the street with blonde hair and had a better result i don't know enough of that martha um, wayne's hair is never like specifically blonde or brunette and and it like it changes in the comics all the time so it doesn't really matter the main one Strong with me disagree. is Lois Lane is always like a redhead or something, but like in the comics, she just has like black hair, and it's yeah. like, why not? Like, why do we? Why do we keep giving her different hair color? I don't understand. Yeah. Just cast someone. Like, I guess it can be any woman, but like, come on, guys, All right. give me black hair. My turn. So I, I actually, exp- I'm going to expand on an idea that I had on Pod um, a couple months back. But what I'm going to pitch is a World War Hulk film. God damn it. I don't want to talk about this. That's fine. (laughs) I'm vetoing. You're going to listen. You're not going to talk. So what we're going to open with is World War Hulk. It's literally going to be a 20 minute fight scene of Hulk ripping through all of Earth's defenders. And what's going to be revealed to the audience is that what we've seen is Maestro's rise to power. Maestro is a Hulk villain who conquered his Earth. And for those of you... Sorry, a Hulk variant. Hulk variant who has conquered his Earth um, and has the full intelligence of Bruce Banner and the full strength of the Hulk um, and the complete lack of compassion that... Um, I don't know, he's just this this ruthless dictator. And the um, bald head of Mark Strong. And no, so... <laughs> Uh, oh, this one does isn't bald. This one, uh, well, he's going to be bald. Maestro's always bald. No, so this one is going to be his voice, and maybe even his Bruce Banner. If we get to that point in the plot, is going to be Nick Nolte. Um, That'd be great. Look, but up, it's also Maestro, by the way. Ma- Maestro, 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 whatever the fuck. Um, look up if you haven't seen Nick Nolte. Look up Nick Nolte, modern, and he looks like fucking Maestro. It's actually insane. Like his current hairstyle is <clears throat> Maestro. Maestro. Um, Anyway, so what what we've learned in Doctor Strange is that variants can, uh, spoiler, um, open rifts into alternate dimensions and invade them and essentially create a war between two realities. And I want the first incursion not to be through a Doctor Strange film, but through a Hulk film where Maestro has to face off against, where Hulk has to face off against his much more brutal self and uh, have lasting repercussions to the 616. Um that I think would be very fun. And I think it'd be incredible. Um, I have James Mangold as the director, director from Logan. I think that he can handle that storyline well. He's proven that he can really deliver those films, even though he's never worked as a part of the uh, MCU. I think that he would exceed or just succeed there. Um, yeah what do you think i sorry i 
do like um okay so it's now it's it's a maestro it's world film. war hulk not planet hulk correct skip and, planet hulk jump straight to world war hulk and skin it as a maestro film so maestro but maestro's the villain yes and so we're doing sort of the okay so are we showing but is hulk coming in to fight maestro yes okay I I like that. So, okay. Re okay. Repitch this to me as so we're seeing so Maestro is coming into our dimension, the MCU sure. 616 dimension and yep. trying to take over again because conquest is just all that he lives for now. What's yep. his what's his motivation? Uh haven't given it much thought. Okay. I'm just trying to understand like the character motivation as to why the whole like we have to give a reason why the Hulk in his world went bad. I guess what it is is that like maybe you give us like a like Iron Man killed Betty Ross or something or some you know what I mean like you know bring uh, Jennifer Connelly back as Betty Ross or bring uh, <laughs> um, you know someone in Liv Tyler as Betty Ross and then kill them. Sure, uh, I mean like if, if you need a comic book if you need a comic book motivation there's some magical power source that maestro needs to i don't know resurrect his loved one and it gets destroyed on his world the last act of rebellion the last thing you see is you know that thing getting destroyed so now he has to you know the person that destroys it is reed richards so he forces reed richards to um, open a portal to this other dimension where this artifact still exists and it's this thing that no one else knows about so suddenly maestro shows up is fucking people up left and right on the hunt and Bruce Banner is the I one mean, who has to figure out where he's you're going. You're basically and why. just describing multiverse of madness, but instead of Maestro, it's Scarlet Witch, right? Like, because her kids get taken from her, and she's like, "Well, they're still alive in this dimension, so I'm opening portals to that dimension." And then Doctor Strange is there and tries to stop her, and Mister Fantastic, and that one also gets killed. So it's just, <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, if you guys didn't if you guys didn't realize, I didn't like Doctor Strange all that much because there wasn't a lot of lasting repercussions. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I do like the idea of framing a World War Hulk, where like everybody has to band together to fight Hulk because he is shown to be relatively invincible. And I do think that the Maestro character design is really cool because you have like the big, massive green skin, green skinned Hulk with like this big, bushy white beard, and like he's balding, but he has like that horseshoe ring around the yeah. back of his head, and it's like long and grown out. I love the I, the casting decision of bringing Nick Nolte back to voice an older Hulk because, for those who don't know. Nick Dolte played Bruce Banner's father in uh, Ang Lee's Hulk from the early 2000s. That was in a very good movie, but that's not Nick Nolte's fault. And I do think that his voice is really cool as like, a, you know, and if we don't see his face, honestly, Mark Ruffalo kind of looks like a young Nick Nolte. Like you could see that, you know, come in. And if Nick Nolte is just kind of doing mocap as like the older Hulk, like it could be cool. Um, I don't hate that idea. Um, I I think that the I we'd have to have a solid character motivation that isn't too similar to, you know, Scarlet Witch's motivation. So we need to work on that, obviously. Um, so we have to have a reason that he's coming through. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of I mean, in the comics, Bruce Banner is often 
sort of a villainous character. I mean, even currently, Bruce Banner is sort of a villainous character. Um, so, because he's just like he he has to live so solitarily, and like his his life is such a nightmare because he has like you know he's constantly being. Um, I don't. I don't. Yeah, he, he's just like he's being torn apart basically well, all the time. Everyone's just questioning him because they know that he has the power of you know a fucking nuclear bomb if he stops. And his he's toe. not really in control of his emotions and once he even if he is, out. no one's gonna believe him. Right? right. That's that's the most frustrating part is that he loses trust constantly. Where every single time that he transforms into the Hulk involuntarily, he has to start back from scratch. Well, he's also a ticking time bomb, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. So I don't hate that idea. I think that that it's a, it, there is something there that they could that Marvel could work with. I like the idea of a Hulk solo film, you know. Um, although you would need some of the other Avengers in there um, to kind of like for the maestro to beat up, and then right. that way you can show his power, you know. Um, yeah, it's interesting, but like the Hulk as a villain is an Avengers level threat. You know what I mean? Like he's such a big threat that like who do you? It almost has to be an Avengers movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like Avengers World War Hulk. I mean, Captain America three was a was an Avengers movie, right? So I mean, it... yeah, exactly. That's my that's yeah. So it would definitely like come down to the Hulk versus the Hulk, and I think that that's that could be cool, right? Um. So I'll 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 uh I'll buy it, but I'm gonna make you develop the script a little bit more. Sure. You know what I mean? I do like James Mangold as the director though, because I think that he has like a very sensitive, like way of like reaching, like working with characters. It's like very character driven stories. So like a character driven story that focuses on the Hulk is kind of an interesting one, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, is it Smart Hulk at this point? Is it Bruce Banner and he's in control of the Hulk? Well, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't given that much thought as far as what Hulk's involvement is or what the conclusion is, but um, that just as the setting seems like the a fun place to take the character. Cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with that one at all. Um, all right, my next one is actually a horror comic, um, written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by Andrea Sorrentino. Um, it is called Gideon Falls. The premise of Gideon Falls is um, the lives of a reclusive young man obsessed with the conspiracy involving the city's trash and a washed up Catholic priest of arriving in a small town full of dark secrets become intertwined around the mysterious legend of the Black Barn, an otherworldly building that is alleged to have appeared in both the city and the small town throughout history, bringing death and madness in its wake. So basically you are introduced to two main characters at the same time, but they're not, they're not directly connected when you first meet them. So a priest who's been kind of kicked out of his town because he was an alcoholic is given a new commission in a small town church where their priest has died recently right so he shows up to this small town and then there's this and he's so he's in this small town and he's like uncovering these weird dark secrets where like people are just like dying or killing themselves in very mysterious ways and so he's kind of working a detective story on his side then we're in the city and there's like a late 20s early 30s man 
who is very paranoid um, and he sees a therapist and is constantly talking to his therapist about how he digs through the trash because there's a conspiracy of people are hiding something in the trash. Um, so he's crazy. Uh, and both of them start to uncover this mystery surrounding this interdimensional black barn that that basically causes people to lose their minds and, and either kill themselves or others. Um, it's a very, very, very good horror comic that literally gave me nightmares while I was reading it, which is kind of hard to do when it's a comic book. You know what I mean? But it was it's scary. <laughs> um, it. Uh, so anyway. For my director of this, I chose Ari Aster, who is uh, the director behind um, Hereditary and Midsummer, mostly because I think that he's really good at creating a really unsettling mood with his movies. Um, you never feel comfortable when you're watching them. Um, and I think that that's exactly kind of what you need in this Um sort of movie i chose jesse eisenberg as the young man who's who's um sort of deranged and losing his mind even though he is correct and everyone else who doesn't believe him is wrong uh i think that he's he would be really good at that i also thought michael Sarah could slot in there we never really get to see him do dramatic performances but i think he could do something like this um and then for the priest i have two people i have either gary oldman or Donald Sutherland as the priest. I think they're both a little bit older. Like the washed up priest is supposed to be like in his like late fifties, early sixties. Gary Oldman's kind of right there. Donald Sutherland's in his eighties, but Donald Sutherland was in a lot of horror movies back in the day. And I think that would be kind of cool to see him do it again. I just, you know, he might be a bit too old, but I think it would be kind of a cool callback. Um, Gary Oldman is great, so I think that he could kill it. But those are the two main characters. There's like a there's a, the the guy's got a female therapist that he's also kind of in love with. That you know who I don't know who we could cast as that, but she doesn't get as much play as we would love would like. Um, but yeah, so those are the the two main characters, and that's kind of the premise. How do you feel about that as a horror movie? It's an interesting concept. Um... What I like about your casting is it definitely seems like roles that those actors would actually take on. Right? Like Gary Oldman's in a lot of films. Donald Sutherland definitely uh, takes on some unique performances. And I can see the draw to the character for either of the two leads that you chose for the uh, paranoid. Yeah, yeah, I should work in casting. You're right. I'm very good at it. Um, <clears throat> cool. So you're buying it in the room. Yeah, yeah, greenlit straight to straight to filming. Yeah, I mean, you're not taking many many modifications to the storyline, right? So, I mean, you're you're basically I'm making no modifications to the right. storyline, but I do think so. This this storyline has six volumes, so it's a lot of issues. You know, sure. Um, uh, there's like twenty seven or thirty issues. Like it's it's a lot. Um, you'd have to condense it into like strip away a lot of the fluff and like other stuff and maybe make just like a more singular storyline you know uh i think that that's definitely possible with this um but another thing you could do is just do like a limited series do six six episodes and um and kind of unfold it out over a longer period of time and maybe make it an hbo limited series you know just fully contained one season 
you know, dark horror series could be good. Maybe give it to Mike Flanagan who works on it, does all the horror stuff at Netflix. He could also be pretty good. He did like midnight mass and those kinds of things. Um, that could also work if you wanted to do it that way. But yeah, that's, those are my pitches for it. Um, cool. Well, I'm nailing it right now. No, no questions, no ifs, ands, or buts about my decision. So, um, we can see who's better at this than, uh, than the other ones. Brian, do you have any? Wow. He's really not carrying his weight this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the ball. So my next pitch is another Rick Remender storyline. Yeah, I tried really hard not to only do Rick Remender. <laughs> so, so Rick Remender is, is easily Tyler, one of my uh, one of our uh, favorite writers. He's personally my current favorite writer. Yeah, I have another one of his on my list too. We'll see. We'll see <laughs> if coming I up. So I chose the story of Low, which. The story of I thought about this. So it I, would be really, it's really. Uh, go ahead, you go. Right. I mean, it would it would require a huge budget, um, yeah, in order to get this done. But the story of Lowe is is interesting. What I love most about Recommender's writing is he takes themes typically from philosophy and he expands upon them using characters and character development to achieve an overall narrative that's different than the plot that's also being told. So he's really good about working in. Um, uh, subplots into his theme. So like uh, um, my favorite study, my favorite type of study in school was philosophy and um, seven to eternity is all about morality, all about relativism, all about consequentialism in low. It's all about optimism versus apathy. Basically the concept is that humans did not fix global warming and instead invested a bunch of, money and effort and resources into trying to figure out how to survive on our own planet instead of moving to a different one. And so they put all their money behind underwater compounds, like these massive sprawling cities that exist at the bottom of the ocean to give themselves time to solve this, how to get off planet. And they ended up just living down there for thousands of years or hundreds yeah, of years they just like basically put the getting off planet part on the back burner because they're like well this is working right why would we need to leave we figured it out and we saved everyone and even the people who are in charge just know that the world's gonna fucking end and they're like yeah what can we do about it the people before us should have done more there's such little that we can do and yeah it really just isn't and rick remender it, he's, he's talked about his motivation for writing the story he said he wanted to write the most optimistic character in fiction this character that is faced consistently with unsurmountable odds and and unfortunately some really realistic um, obstacles that we face with in today's world and today's climate um, and and how this fictional character would navigate that and ultimately um, succeed so the first issue is her working living in her city Uh, she's got a husband and three kids an eldest son and two daughters that are i think twins um and the captain, though, the, the, her husband, is the last remaining pilot of these massive warships um, that they hold. And they require a specific... Uh, uh, there's also a, a massive suit of armor that can survive the depths of the sea that requires a specific bloodline to operate. And they take it out on a maiden voyage. Or not a maiden voyage, but the first trip with the kids. And they get attacked by pirates from a different underground city that they had lost contact with like a century ago. Um and her husband gets murdered 
uh, her eldest son gets knocked unconscious and her two youngest daughters kidnapped. And then you fast forward 10 years and she's been like working herself to the bone for the last decade, trying to figure out how to get back. Her son falls into corruption, joins the police force and becomes super corrupt. Um, and they end up setting off on a voyage. She's able to convince him to go out and look for the sisters again. Um, and that's where the story kind of starts after the first issue. And it's just a really incredible story. Um, yeah. So I, I, it is, it's, um, I mean, like you said, Rick Remender's whole thing is he chooses something that is sort of like he's very concerned with moral ambiguity Mm -hmm. and like the morality of like the people who exist in the world. And his characters always feel like you can see that you can just always see their direct parallels, no matter how wild his stories get, you can see them represented in our current world. So like the people who blame they're like, well, the people who came before us shouldn't have given up. And it's like, well, you also gave up. Like you all like there's still time. Like you can still work towards this. Right. Like, why are you just not like you're doing the same things that they did? You're saying it's too late when you're just not even trying. Right. You know, and if it's that's too late, what low really comes it, down to it's let it be too ahead. late with you giving your all, not let it be too late with you deciding that beforehand. Yep. Why are you giving up? Right. And like she chooses, the main character chooses not to. She's Constantly. like, well, I can, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going. And she, she chooses to, to push and try. Right. And, and she... I think that there's something important about that message. And that's true in Tokyo Ghost. It's true in the one that I'm going to talk about next. Um, yeah, you want to like talk about, something... I know which one you're going to talk about next. So if you're going to brag on me about budget, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know that you're just going to fucking absolutely destroy. So casting, um, I want to give this film to Christopher Nolan. I Yeah, I think that he could do it. That's exactly the director I would choose for it. Too. I, I think I want to give the lead role to Anne Hathaway. She's a little young. She's like I was thinking Jessica Chastain. She could do it. Yeah. I, I think that Anne Hathaway has some some really deep emotional performances that I could easily yeah. see her faced with a moment of crisis with someone, you know. Uh, taking away someone that she loves dearly and, and for her to be able with tears in her eyes to smile and say and genuinely convince me in the delivery of the line that that it's okay and that everything will still work out. Um, yeah, I, I just feel, yeah, I don't I don't disagree that I think either of those two, they're kind of interchangeable. They're both really talented. Mm-hmm. Not that they're, they're not interchangeable, but like they could, they both can play the exact same roles. Yeah. You know what I mean? For, for the husband, yeah. he's not going to be in the film for too long. So I'm not too worried about casting him, but the George eldest, Clooney, but, but the, <laughs> yeah, sure. But the eldest son, <laughs> I did choose uh, Robert Sheehan from the umbrella Academy. Which one is he? He's the one that sees ghosts. Oh Yeah. Oh, he, really? He looks a he's lot old. like old. He looks like, he's so he's 36. He's only uh, 35 or something. He's only a couple of years younger than in Hathaway, but you know what? There's been worse castings. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty that's a pretty bad casting decision. That guy's really good and I like him as an actor. I think that he's really talented. I think he's way too old to play that character. Oh, so I mean, so the first time you see the character he's like 12, the next time you see him he's like 25. So I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely <laughs> older, but like he he looks a lot like the character and I I'm okay with it. Um Okay. I don't. I don't know who else to to pitch. But um, as far as the daughters, I hadn't got that far. Um, as far as casting them, they'd have to be, um, you know, in in their early twenties. Yeah, uh, Christopher Nolan is the only director I think that could possibly get this made if he wanted to. Right. You know what I mean? Because I don't think anyone else carries the weight that like if 
if Christopher Nolan says he wants to do something, studios are like, yeah, sure. Like, we'll just, yeah, you can. he's like, well, I want to, I want to use an actual nuclear bomb to film, uh, my newest movie and people they're like okay well let's look into the like the logistics of making that happen not like no you can't just you're you're a filmmaker not a fucking military man like you can't just set off a nuclear bomb and he's like but i wanna oppenheimer that's the name of the movie um but yeah he like the film like the studios are like yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll look into that and it's like what you're gonna what i'm sorry jenny can you get uh (laughs) nuclear bomb specialist on the phone yeah. Yeah. So he's the only person I think that could like if he was like, yeah, I'm going to do this and we're going to actually build an underwater city under the Pacific Ocean. And that Warner Brothers would be like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want just to get you back on our side because, you know, they're mad at him or he's mad at them for releasing his mo- all the movies on on HBO, HBO Max last year or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, well, I might I might be leaving Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is like, yeah, we'll just build you an underwater city. Fuck it. You can film it all with practical effects. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's not that's not bad at all. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna move right on to my next one, which is another Rick Remender story. <laughs> which one is it, Jeff? Yeah, uh, you got to be talking about Black Science. I am talking about Black Science. I just I want this movie to work. I just don't know how you would, because this budget would be incredible. This movie is about a punk rock scientist who accidentally, on purpose, but accidentally discovers interdimensional travel and I mean, he's taking a team of adventurers on their first interdimensional trip and it goes horribly wrong yeah. and the thing that that allows them to travel across dimensions is broken while they're in this other dimension so it's essentially lost in space but they every time basically the thing is broken and it will just randomly jump and so they but they still have to eat and they still have to like try to solve things and like they're 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 traveling into d- dimensions and then they'll get there and there's just like beasts there that kill a bunch of them and they have to run with this contraption that allows them to jump and then they'll they just they're like oh shit it's about to jump and they'll lo- they'll leave people behind and like it's really it's really crazy it would work really way better as a TV series who's your, and i don't know who your, you go ahead who's your director i've got one in mind I don't know this movie. I don't know if this movie is possible <laughs> and I don't think it can be a movie. I think it has to be a TV series. What What are you thinking? Uh, well, so we have seen a multiverse movie recently that was very fun, very silly, very wild, very emotional. I just bought it on Amazon. It's just, I'm going to watch it again tonight. Daniel actually. Kwan and Daniel Shiner. Yeah. The directed, Daniels. D- directed everything everywhere all at once. And they're the only people right now that I would trust with this scope of film. That this film would be. It has so- to be a TV series. It has to I be. don't think it can be a film because See, you have to do you because you'd have to be traveling through the dimensions too fast for it to be a exactly. movie. I wanted you know to pitch I mean? East of West, which is another East uh, comic book, but I I can't I didn't because I was like this has to be a TV series. I'm picturing it so much better as a TV series. But let's talk about this yeah. film. So what's beautiful about this storyline? What's so fun about this is the early issues set up such a fantastic backstory for the rest of the story. What this film really is, it's about um uh, predetermination and fate and all of these different concepts that are constantly being explored from multiverse to multiverse. There's like this consistent storyline what it's really about is fixing mistakes. Right. Like that's what the bait, like that back to that moral relativism of, of Rick Remender's writing. It's like, it's about the the core of the story is a father who's fucked up 
and he's trying to make amends to his kids while saving them in this interdimensional right. journey. And like, and what they what they continuously reinforce <laughs> is that the fuck up was not dragging them into alternate dimensions. Like the fuck up was being a bad father and ignoring and them. Not, it, yeah, being a workaholic right. who's cheating on their mom, right. and like all this is all this is all revealed in the first like the first right. ten and pages of the first that's issue. What I wanted so to talk we're not about. spoiling anything. That's what I wanted to talk about because um, the, the 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 first issue is set up so clearly all of these different characters and all of their motivations for being at this lab at this right time when this thing happens that drags them all in. And yeah. suddenly this scientist who was about to go under a very controlled, uh, limited exploration suddenly has the people that he cares about most in an unknown dimension where he knows nothing. And and, and everybody's getting killed. And, <laughs> and they don't have any of the tools necessary to defend right. themselves. And yeah, they didn't bring weapons on that with them. They thought they were just doing their first interdimensional jump right. and they were just going to be there for a few minutes and come back. Right. And then instead, all hell breaks loose and they're on a years long journey of just hopping through random right. dimensions and being stuck there for indeterminate amounts of time. And, and what's so incredible about this is that the, the writer takes the opportunity to tell the story multiple times throughout the um, multiverse. So that like, so the main character is the scientist and he's constantly going through different dimensions and every single dimension he's able to find the version of himself that exists in this dimension, even if it's like a slug dimension or like a lava dimension or something, he's able to find himself recreating the pillar, ignoring his family, cheating. Like he's constantly doing the same thing over and over and over again. And he's able to just like constantly rub in his face how, how, how fucked up he's been um, and what he did wrong and what he has to do to fix it. Oh, and it's also about like the cyclical nature of things like that. He's like, well, I could be better. And like in some universe, I am better. And then in every universe, he's a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> and like that, no matter what is going on, whether he's a slug or a rock or whatever, he's just like, he's been a bad father the whole time. Right. And anyway, I think that this, there is something here. I just, it's like, I, I wanted to put Saga on this as well, but it's just, it. I don't know if this actually can be done. As a, as a series, because as a series, it would require such a huge budget, you know? But like then again, you do Star Trek, and like Star Trek is like the same thing. You're on a different planet in every episode, and there's different, you know, slug versions and all that. And If, if anyone listening knows Rick Remender personally, let him listen to this episode. Let him know he's got some passionate fans out there. We want all of his works adopted uh, to visual medias so that we can experience them again. But for now, I'm going to have to force myself away from the Remenderverse and uh, jump into a different storyline. I-, I wanted to do and try and balance it between um, one Marvel, one DC, and one non. Um, I'm not going to say non-mainstream because Remender is very, very popular, uh, but definitely not. Uh, yeah, Marvel like DC. Image or right. Dark Horse or something. So, the and, and DCEU is, is difficult right now because there is no consistency. There is no linear storyline they're telling there is no big bad there's just a lot yeah, of... every actor who's in every movie is a problem now <laughs> they, they have yeah and then and each of the actors has no idea where like what the direction is like henry cavill's like i have no idea if i'm coming back i want to be superman but like i can't force the studio to do shit i don't know but the reason i bring this up is because the film that i think that dceu could green light and would green light in their current production is kingdom come I think that 
the Kingdom Come storyline is very fun. It is very popular. DCEU likes taking very popular storylines and producing them into visual medias because they think it'll bring people to the theaters, and I don't think that they're wrong. Um, what the underlying plot of Kingdom Come is, is that the Justice League has forsaken their human personas and essentially dedicated their entire existences towards solving crimes and they have succeeded they have created these kind of utopias and they rely on these superhuman prisons where people are basically forced to live there and they have superhuman guards and they all have their power stripped from them and in the background you have lex luther who has a secret group of superhumans that are extremely loyal to him and he is trying to incite a superhuman civil war to bring down superhuman society. And it's extremely fun. You get Batman in the background as an old man um, trying to solve this kind of final crime. You get this friction between um, all of these different characters that have known each other for decades. And you get all of these older different versions of themselves your um, retired superman right he, he's like retired he just like builds cabins in the woods or something i can't remember but I mean, that's he's, pretty he's much still how we the, find he's him. still head of the justice league but um he doesn't he doesn't do anything anymore he's kind of a figurehead at this point um wonder woman's still out there flash has become essentially a beam of light who and, just runs around central city and i think this will work because everything. we don't have to have a casting for the flash you don't have to have any speaking roles we don't have to address <laughs> he, any he controversy. Speak. He speaks. No, he does not say any words in, the, in Kingdom Come. He literally does not stop moving. Basically, Flash has become so integrated with the Speed Force that he literally can't stop moving. So that yeah, whenever, he's depicted, whenever he's depicted on screen is literally just like this furious red scribble blur with eyes, uh, which I think is really cool visually. Um, and I think that they could do a fantastic job of that on screen. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't, first of all, there's no way DC is doing this. <laughs> there's no way they're going to do it. Second, because there's nothing that can come from these characters at this, with that story. You know what I mean? Like maybe if they were like, yeah, we're going to blow up the DCU and we're never going to do another one. Then yeah, they would do this, they but they're Joker not going to do that. What are you yeah, talking about? I don't about? know they why. Made a, they made a, and they're apparently making a second one. Did you hear about that? Yeah, But it just they're, has no consistency. And then they introduce. Yeah. But there's a new there's a new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery because Warner Brothers and Discovery joined and now there's now they're one company and the CEO is canceling projects left, right and center because he wants to he's like DC needs to fucking figure this shit out and do one streamlined storyline because this is a nightmare. He's trying to tap Todd Phillips to run the DC movies, which I'm like, please don't. God, no, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> But he does. He's like, why are we making all these movies that don't like? They're none of them are connected to anything. Like, who is who's anybody? Like, why are there two, three different Batman in or Jokers and all kinds of different shit going on? Like, he's like, we need to just one one major overarching thing. Let's just do that. And so we're not going to do Kingdom Come. That's and I'm fine with that. <laughs> but if they did. Who do you want as the different characters? Like who who's Batman in this one? Because we need an older Batman. Sure. Is it Michael Keaton? I, I personally I like the casting of the Justice League for the most part. I, I would want to keep Henry Cavill. I would want to keep Affleck. Um, okay. 
So this is like a this is a, this is a continuation of of Zack Snyder's. Like, so are we giving this to Snyder? <laughs> he, I mean, he could do the visual like his 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 visualizations look a lot like uh, or his visual I, aesthetic looks a lot like Alex Ross. I, I can't painting, give this so. to Snyder simply because I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want any more superhero films from him that are based around DC Comics. He's proven that he doesn't understand the characters. And he is interested in exploring them in the ways that they should be explored, in my opinion. Um, so I don't want to give this to Snyder. Alternatively, I don't know who could direct this scope of film. Yeah, I don't know. This is such a large undertaking. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah, and you have to like, also it requires such a, like this is like a Avengers Infinity War level like story mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's massive and there's like every character and you have to know the characters really well because you're seeing older versions of them and like you have to understand their mo- like their motivations from when they were younger to really understand how they've evolved into this you know what i mean and i don't think we have that for a lot of these characters you know i don't think we have an understanding of ben affleck's motivations right now you know and like to see him as an older batman he would only be this he'd basically be the same i don't know i just Give me, I don't know um, if Kingdom Come can work Bruce without. Tim. Yeah, there you go, um, dude. He'd, he'd be great. Or um, no, who's the yeah. uh, who's the no who's the voice of um, Kevin Conroy? Kevin Conroy, that's what I was thinking of. Give me Kevin. Bru- Conroy. Yeah, but Bruce Tim could be the the like the director of something like this. I don't know why he him he and uh, what's his name the guy who wrote like all the uh, Paul Denny. I don't know why he's not tapped by warner brothers to do more of the live action stuff because i think that he really has a, a genuine 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 understanding of the characters but that's a whole other podcast but um yeah i don't know man i think that it could work but i just i just don't see it ever coming to fruition and i think that it's something that would you would have to have so much base layer to build on to get Look, to this if point. we can get a fucking morbius film if we can get yeah, well, Sony's not in charge of this, so... <laughs> Just saying. Weirder things have happened. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, all right. Let's move on. I think that that was enough. Uh, are there any comic book uh, storylines that you guys really want to see committed to film? Uh, and I said comic books, so Evan, do not pitch me an anime film. Um, I don't want to hear it. Just kidding. If you have one and you have a good director and a good cast, let me know. I will bring it up next week oh also sorry that our instagram is gone if anyone cares uh <laughs> they asked i was logging in to reply to messages and then um instagram was like oh how old are you by the way and i went to put in my age and i accidentally clicked like 2010 as the age which would have made me 12 or made the podcast 12 and uh, it said i was too young and then when i sent them a picture of my id to confirm my age they said that they couldn't verify my id and deleted our account and i just i'm i don't care enough i no one i have a friend yeah. who actually listens to this podcast i don't know if she's gonna listen to this episode because it's superhero centric but um she has an instagram for her dog and it asked how old she was and she was like oh well my dog's four <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and instagram was like oh and deleted her account so. yeah so no more instagram um Maybe I'll create one if there's enough fan outcry, but you can still reach us on the email um, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So 
Um, let's get into what's clever, Jeff. Mm-hmm. What have you been watching, reading, or listening to? Yeah. Uh, so I watched everything. I watched uh, Stranger Things. You watched everything. I watched everything. I watched Stranger Things. I finally made it around to watching the newest Harry Potter. Um, the, oh. The Secrets of Dumbledore. Thought it was interesting. Didn't love it. I kind of had the same same impression walking away from that film as I did from Doctor Strange in the sense that I felt like the storyline didn't move the needle enough. I, I said, I've told this to a couple different people, but I'll, I'll say it here officially. Um, these stories felt like chapters in a book and not like books in a franchise, if that makes sense. Like typically when you read a book, it tells a self-contained storyline that also pushes this greater narrative. You know, like each of the Harry Potter books has like a central antagonist that they're pursuing. And there's this looming threat of Voldemort in the background. And both Doctor Strange and uh, the Harry Potter film felt failed to deliver that sense of first self-containment and two progression on a greater storyline. It literally just felt like this was a movie to set up more movies and I didn't appreciate it. Um, there was parts of the film that I did enjoy, but overall I think the plot needs to advance a lot more per film. Right. Oh, yeah. I think that this, I, I said it, um, a lot during our review of that uh, movie because you weren't here, but um, and I don't—I know you don't listen to our podcast, so I'll tell you um, this movie for sure killed this franchise, and pretty much everybody's in agreement. If you read the movie blogs and like all you know, movie criticism, everybody kind of agrees that there's not really a path forward for this, and that this franchise is just kind of over at this point. It doesn't really seem like anyone cares that it came out um it didn't really make a lot of money the reviews were really poor both audience and uh critics um and they really just there's just not really any anything pushing this this franchise forward anymore so everyone is kind of in agreement that it's done it's done even though it's supposed to be like another like two (laughs) three movies or something yeah yeah i i mean i someone put it best when we talked about the franchise they're like the second movie spends like an hour establishing a character named the uh, little Lestrange and telling this story of a character only to reveal that that story is not true and to kill that character off. And it was like, immediately. What was, yeah. what, what was the point of this shit? Like, why are you guys fucking with us? Um, right. And yeah, this right. one felt and, the same. And credence, they make credence like this big deal. And then in this one, he's just like, like, oh yeah, he's he's not really that big of a deal. He's Dumbledore's brother's son, and he's sick and dying, yeah. <laughs> and um, so he's not really that important. We'll give and, him the one big fight scene, and really Dumbledore just makes right. short work of him, and then he's just not really in the movie anymore. Yeah, and and then you also get on top of that, like Grindelwald's whole thing in this film is he's trying to become Prime Chancellor, and he gets foiled. And I'm like, okay, so we're back to where we started in the last film. No progression at all. Dumb. Uh, so I watched that. Uh, what else? I've been watching uh, the old animated Justice League TV show. I'm still watching Golden Girls. Uh, and what else? I started watching Miss Marvel. But I haven't bothered to pick up the boys. I haven't seen Kenobi Episode 4. Um, I'm sure I'll get through both of those. I just don't have the motivation to. I, I really like the established content that we have for both Kenobi and for the boys season one. 
So I, I really just feel like the farther we get away from episode three and the sorry, you we... didn't like season two of the boys uh, of the boys. No, go back and listen to that episode. I hated, I, I did not like it for a lot of reasons. Oh man. I, I really liked season two and I think season three is really good so far. I don't know. I, I, I looked it up and Billy Butcher getting powers is in the comics. Yeah. It's literally and issue I, one. They all, all the boys in the comics are given a compound V, but because they have like a reduced version of it, so it just gives them like enhanced strength and durability so that they can get in fist fights with the uh, yeah, the people. Which, so I like my favorite part about Billy Butcher's character from season one was the fact that he was vehemently opposed and represented humanity in this in this war of humans versus superheroes and it was the story of humans defeating superheroes but the fact that he becomes a super and it's super fighting superheroes is less fun for me um i think that baron zemo did a better job of representing that kind of character than billy butcher is currently so i don't know um i also think that there's just weird things going on i don't know go back to this episode two and we can talk about it more off pod but um i'll get through it eventually i just like i feel like the same way i did with game of thrones season seven where i'm just losing motivation to watch it but i'm sure i'll get through it eventually i definitely do agree that kenobi is not really hitting on all the levels that i want it to i just feel like there's i want yeah i don't know I'm, i wanted something else and i just don't feel like the story is really being written in a very compelling way i'm just not that interested in it i'm gonna keep watching it because i do like ian mcgregor and i you know i watch everything star wars so i'm just not seeing I, the effort on the script writing side for that's what it feels like to me as well also i'm gonna be honest man like I know a lot of people in the Star Wars universe are like really big fans of uh, whatever his name is in the cowboy hat. What's his name? The guy who does the Clown Wars and Rebels and all that stuff. Oh, Dave, Dave Filoni. Dave yeah. Filoni. Um, I don't really like a lot of the stuff that he's done with the Star Wars. Like, I don't really like the Inquisitors as characters. I, I think they're lame. And I think that their lightsabers are stupid. That's the ones that spin around. Yeah. And like, I don't like that they have that they're in this uh the series i'm like i don't i don't want this i don't really get it I, I think they're dumb but you know i'm gonna keep watching it it's good enough um and it, it is good to see them come back but like i told my brothers uh the other weekend when we were all in town together um i felt like i was really excited to see anakin and and obi-wan have another lightsaber fight and what we got was absolute garbage i yeah. thought it looked it i was like really excited when that episode was coming i was like oh we're gonna they're definitely gonna do a lightsaber fight in this one and i'm really excited and then by the time the episode ended i was like man i really wish i hadn't seen that like yeah. that was like really bad and, and i understand that they're working towards a, a season conclusion and i know that mcgregor and christensen have a you know long history of actually practicing their dueling and actually working through it so if the, the the fact that they presented it that way in the show was intentional that was the director's choice to show it that way and have that happen it wasn't like a limitation on the actor's parts so i'm hoping that it's just the prelude of what's to come and that we see something better future but then again i also fucking hate the idea that interact that that kenobi and vader interacted f to some extent and then obi-wan was still able to hide on tatooine and vader wasn't able to find him so I think 
the reason they're doing this is because at the um at the end of New Hope or in the middle of New Hope when Vader and Kenobi face off Kenobi calls him Darth they hint at like some sort of history where the two of them knew each other in their current forms whereas at the end of um Revenge of the Sith that is not how we back. leave things i'm gonna push back on that so you can reveal that anakin is still alive so he knows to call him darth but what darth vader says is when last we met you were the master and i was the learner something some shit like that sure. um that is not what we saw yeah that's also well that's not and there's no way that that's the last time that they fight right like we're gonna see an actual Darth Vader versus versus Obi Wan, like I just don't understand fight. How... And I I gotta believe that they're gonna actually put some budget into it because right. that opening scene where that Jedi Master is defending the Padawans yeah. against the clone troopers during sixty six was sick, like really good. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, if this is the quality we're getting, like I'm very excited. We just haven't gotten to that right. level of quality again. And that, that that's understand. the part that I find upsetting. And, and I'm going to watch it to understand, but like, I just can't picture right now a world in which Darth <clears throat> Vader knows that Obi-Wan is alive and doesn't care and isn't hunting the galaxy for him with all of his might. And I think that the galaxy is big. I think that maybe this is what we're going to see is going to be the end of the Inquisitors, that Obi-Wan's going to kill the Inquisitors. And... Um. Yeah, I, I think that maybe that's probably what we're gonna get here. I also got back into Elden Ring, and I'm working towards the final couple bosses, and I did finally start Star Wars: The Video Game. Cal Kistis or whatever his name is. Oh, did you borrow it from Brian? No, I bought it like a year ago, six months ago. Oh, okay, because yeah. Brian has my copy. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I'm um, like, dude, you got to play this. I just got to. It's by uh, the same people who do those uh, Dark Souls games, I think. Right? Uh, no, it's not from FromSoft. Um, oh, okay, well, it's at least based it's, on it's their, their style of doing things. Like the yeah. boss battles are really difficult. <laughs> okay, so I put it on hard mode. I just got to Dathomir. I'm like half, I don't know how far to Dathomir, but having kind of fun with it so far. Did you say you haven't found fun with it? I said I've, I've had, I'm having kind of fun with it. I'm having a uh, moderate amount I like of fun. it. I like that game quite a lot. It wasn't a very long storyline, but like I think it I think it was really fun. The only part I didn't like was it feels a, it's like half on rails, half explore, but there's really only right. like three ways through the map and yeah. like you kind of figure like that out really quickly. Yeah. Not what? not open world, but like there's got to be a word for it, like semi-free roam or some shit. Yeah, I don't really know. Um that part was okay. Uh, I think that the introduction of the character is cool. Um, I like the, that you can like kind of craft your own lightsaber and you can like choose to like have double dual wield or like not the dual wield, du- double sided or single or whatever. Like there's a lot of different options. I think that that's really cool. Um, I really like BD one that. Um, the, that droid it's like one of my favorite droid designs i really want like a working version of that like i don't want a bb8 i want a D- bd1 i think that that thing is really cool yeah um and yeah i think that that game was really cool, cool. and uh, they have the second one coming out they announced it during star wars celebration did you see the trailer yep. for it i didn't watch the yeah. trailer for it but i did see the the, the announcement just like i saw yeah. obi-wan season two got greenlit um what i didn't see that yeah what? How are they going to... Oh, I don't want that at all. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Um, Your turn. What's up with you? Oh, you know, I watched all the same things that you did. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've been, I've been really busy all week. Um, haven't really watched a lot or read a lot. Um, we did go and see Top Gun. And we all really liked it. We recorded an episode uh, of it, but we had some technical difficulties. So sorry, guys, but we all liked it. We all thought it was really good. And we all think you should go see it. Um, And that's pretty much it. I know that uh, the newest Jurassic Park came out this weekend, (laughs) the Jurassic World Dominion. I do want to see that, but I'm probably going to wait. It's not getting very good reviews, so I don't know if I'm... I'm going to go see it in theaters. We'll see. Um, but I'm not going to make us do an episode of it, especially with Brian um, being as uh, well, Brian's out of town. We'll just, we'll, 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 we'll just say the truth. Brian's out of town for the next couple of weeks. So he's going to miss a few episodes. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry. My I'm, I've been sick for a week, so my brain's a little melted. Um, so yeah, let's just wrap it up there. Did we miss any comic books or move or uh, anime or what's it called manga that you think we could be a feature length film? And if anyone presents Akira to me, I'm just going to, I'm going to find you and tell you to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the clever kids podcast. If you want more from us, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on and recommend us to a friend. We really appreciate it. Or don't. Whatever's clever.